We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Geico presents sharing versus oversharing. Today, Bridget Griffin shared a video of her daily yoga routine, two self-help articles, and her new blog called Build Your Inner Bridge with Bridge. Girl, your sharing has turned into oversharing. No worries, Bridge. Geico has some info worth sharing with your seven blog followers, like how you could save money on your car insurance, update your policy, and report a claim just by visiting geico.com. How's that for building your inner bridge? Bridge, Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Welcome to the Roadrunner Fantasy Football Podcast brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Use the promo code ROTOWIRE when you make your deposit for a free contest entry today. It is Friday, October 23rd, year is 2015, week 7 of the NFL season. Derek Van Riper here with Mario Puig. Bengals, Broncos, Bears, Packers, all off the board. What a miserable week. I'm already sad. There's no Packer game this week, which makes me not want to do anything related to football at all this weekend it makes me want to just go outside and rake leaves or something oh man like you mean like do things outside lifelike things yeah you know breathe in fresh air uh, clean up the yard even though i don't i don't, I don't I own, do that it'd be weird gotta, to go rake i gotta stick to the tech stuff i gotta i gotta look at a screen or else i'd get even sadder well but the, i understand the good news is and I'll, I'll get over it between now and sunday i'll be fine You've got the London game again, and it's, uh, I believe, a 9.30 a.m. Eastern kickoff, so a nice 6.30 a.m. start for you folks listening on the West Coast, if anyone's even listening at all. I actually don't know if people are listening to this podcast anymore. I think they gave up on it a few weeks ago. But it's Bill's Jags, and it is only available to stream online you cannot watch the game on television that's exactly the kind of game i will make a special effort early in the morning on a sunday to go find and watch um but then again maybe i won't no i think you will bill's bill's jags has a lot of fantasy goodness in it right i mean a lot of goodness in general maybe tj yeldon if he plays and uh alan robinson alan robinson's good alan hearns can he keep it up who knows i mean at this point i i 
I'm I'm shocked that Alan Hearns has been this good, but at some point we have to start believing in what he's shown us. And hey, yeah. they're a volume offense. Yeah, he's good. That Allen Robinson is gonna is gonna take that offense over pretty soon, I think. But uh, I've I've kept betting against the other Allen Allen Hearns, and I keep getting burned for it. So maybe I should shut up. Yeah, I traded uh, for Allen Hearns in the Stopa League. I had to. I needed a third receiver this week because AJ Green and uh, all the Packers are on bye. So I was really thin at receiver, and I traded Danny Woodhead to get Alan Hearns the best best I could do is move Danny Woodhead you know I can't co-sign that I know I know you're gonna hate it but uh that's I tried to get John Brown first and that wasn't gonna happen which you know give me credit for trying but I I knew going into the offer that that probably wasn't gonna get it done uh the Chargers I I got to see them firsthand talked about on Monday with Nick they are fast becoming one of my least favorite teams because they just don't make sense like they they think that Melvin Gordon doesn't realize that fumbling is bad. Like they're one of those teams. Like Melvin Gordon, after he coughed up the fumble on Sunday, I think it was his second one of the day, he got buried. And most teams do this, but it's it's frustrating to me that there's not enough progress around the league to the point where that's the exception rather than the rule. And that that he's a rookie that fumbled twice probably means he's not touching the ball again for like five weeks. Well, yeah, I mean, I can understand taking him out for the day, especially when you have a pretty good alternative like Woodhead. I mean, multiple fumbles could not just be a guy, you know, just happening to have bad luck. It might be that it's in his own head that he just kind of is is messed up for the time being. And, and Woodhead is obviously so absolutely fabulous. So you gotta you gotta give him the ball, of course. But yeah, hopefully they don't do the stupid thing where it's like. Now we're going to wait until next year to see if you've learned the lesson. I don't think they will. I think since they traded up in the first round to get them, they have to start trying to get some return on that investment, lest they all get fired for their incompetence. But uh, yeah, it looks like a, a weird situation, but at least Philip Rivers is a super likable guy. I just received an email that I want to share with you and the listeners out there. Um, I, have, I have been asked for pictures of myself in halloween costumes from either my childhood or adult years for the betterment of a media channel that i'm connected to isn't that unusual uh, the only halloween picture of me probably was when i uh forgot my power rangers costume on the bus Ooh. and when i was in merrill and merrill wisconsin uh, you haven't heard of that, probably. No. But, uh, yeah, then I had to wear a sad, stupid ghost costume that my mom made out of some bed sheets, and I was just weeping in the photos. So I <laughs> guess I wouldn't take part in that if I were you. That, <laughs> that's, that's actually a great story, though, really. I mean, it's, it's terrible. Like, as sad as you were as a kid for leaving the Power Rangers costume on the bus, like, as an adult, you could enjoy a good story out of it. No, it still hurts. And, uh, <laughs> it still brings back repressed pain. But at least I don't forget things on the bus anymore knock on wood that's <laughs> well if the, if you know what if losing your halloween costume losing the power rangers costume when you were eight ten years old somewhere i was like five five oh so ten be, would be i think you're supposed to be over the power rangers by like seven or something i don't even remember I, I missed the window of the power rangers entirely growing up so mm, i had no to be you. yeah i know I, I really really missed out so i, I guess I, i'm looking at this and i'm, I'm thinking hey if you had to forget either your cell phone in your 20s on the bus which costs several hundred dollars to replace or the power rangers costume when you're five i think i'd rather just lose the costume as a kid even though it does seem like it's done some emotional uh, damage but i think that costume might have been why i didn't end up being like the coolest kid in north central wisconsin though like if i had that costume maybe i'd be just like so much cooler with so many more friends and stuff right now like that was a critical point in your life that that shaped up everything else after yeah it was like instead of really cool kid with the awesome green power ranger costume but like when no one else had the green power they all had their stupid red and blue or whatever power rangers i had the green one left it on the bus if i had had that on i don't maybe i'd be like you know mark zuckerberg or something yeah I mean, maybe he probably would have you know, like long curly hair or something i don't know yeah but um anyway I, i'm getting a bit traumatized going back this far all right well we'll we'll stop with the uh spontaneous therapy session and, and briefly talk about the Seahawks and 49ers, which if you watched it, congratulations for, for getting through it. Um, it's probably 
in quality, I would compare it maybe to Caddyshack Two, which uh, shouldn't have never shouldn't have been made for one. Caddyshack Two never should have ever been created, but this one finished twenty to three in favor of Seattle. Marshawn Lynch had a pretty Marshawn Lynch looking game: twenty seven carries, one hundred and twenty two yards. Looks healthy at this point. Uh, Jimmy Graham went back to hiding after a big week in Week Six, so my narrow window to close him or to trade to close the deal and trade him is gone. It's over. Two catches for 31 yards on five targets. And it was Tyler Lockett who actually led the way in this receiving core. Five catches for 79 yards and a TD. Is there anything of interest to you right now in that group of pass catchers? Even though Tyler Lockett seems extremely talented, is there any reason to think you can trust him? He had only five targets, so he's not going to catch every pass thrown his way most weeks. And he hasn't exceeded five targets in any game. So... It's got to be pretty cool to be a Seattle fan right now and look at that offense and be like, wow, we could be a lot better if we just took like all those Jermaine Curse targets and all the whatever stupid things they're doing with their passing game. I don't even I don't care. I don't watch that offense. But uh, if they had just taken all those targets and started funneling them toward Tyler Lockett and Jimmy Graham, they'd be so much better. But Daryl Bavella is just not capable. So uh, I don't think it'll change much. I mean, Marshawn Lynch is the only consistent thing in that offense, and I, I don't think that'll change as long as is employed there. Now, with Lynch healthy, Thomas Rawls, in, at least in shallow leagues, probably becomes a drop because of the bye weeks. I mean, he had six carries for 32 yards. Based on what we saw from Rawls, though, is this a guy that, in the event of another Lynch injury, becomes must-own? Is he a potential yeah. top 10 back if Lynch is out of the picture? Yeah, uh, he'll have the workload, and he's he's better than I, th- I... I expected him to be pretty good, but, I mean, he's been very impressive, not just decent. He's been really good. I mean, he had two 100-yard games in his three-game uh, three game span as starter, still running well off the bench. He's at five and a six, 5.6 yards per carry, 65 carries, so that's enough of a sample size, especially in an offense that's so run-heavy to begin with where the, the defense knows it's going to go to him, those plays that he got it. Um, I think he's I think he's totally legitimate, and I think the Seahawks have their long-term Lynch replacement. On the other side of this one, Colin Kaepernick, 13 of 24 for 124 yards. He was sacked six times. Didn't throw any picks, though, so cheer up, San Francisco fans. Carlos Hyde, 11 carries, 40 yards. Reggie Bush, 4 for 21. Vernon Davis, back and producing. Four catches, 61 yards on six targets. And Anquan Bolden had three catches for 39 yards on seven targets. Seattle's defense has been really stingy against the pass for the most part this year, so I'm not shocked that Bolden had a pretty quiet night. But, I mean, this is an offensive line in San Francisco. It's had problems all year, and those problems were on full display last night. Yeah, I haven't kept up with their, like, very specific personnel situation right now but obviously anthony davis taking his hiatus from football iapati leaving um yeah i guess i guess staley is really the only regular staley and boone are the only regulars on that line who are still there otherwise they're breaking in brandon thomas who's like a rookie coming off the acl tear and uh whoever else they have replacing davis and uh Iapati, but anyway, I yeah the the Forty ers everybody knows what they're getting. It's it's what you saw yesterday. Like that defense might be okay sometimes. They might be able to run their way to some some competitive games, but generally they're just severely outmatched talent wise, and it's not like they have any schematic advantages to make up for it. No, they they really don't. It's just going to be miserable. I think watching this team week in and week out the rest of the way. I think Niners fans are, are well aware of that by now. Uh, but Caddyshack 2 ran an hour and 39 minutes. I, I, I'm only going about three minutes on this game today because it just doesn't deserve any more than that. Three minutes too many. That may have been three minutes too many. I, I'll, I'll concede that. Uh, taking a look here at some injuries, though, as we take a look at the Week 7 slate as a whole. Keenan Allen, back at practice on Friday, has been slowed by a hip flexor issue. Still appears to be on schedule for Sunday. The official designation will come out here in just a little while, but decent chance he ends up as questionable, just on the more likely side of playing uh, than most who are listed as questionable, at least. Ruben Randall, uh, listed as probable, has got a hamstring injury. No one cares about him, but the other guy I want to bring up with Keenan Allen is Antonio Gates, who actually missed practice again Friday. He's been dealing with a knee injury, suffered that in the fourth quarter of that game against the Packers. It's a really disappointing uh, turn of events because if you look at 
their matchup against Oakland. I mean, Antonio Gates has been getting volume in his first two games back from the suspension, and the Raiders have been so bad against tight ends. It seems like Gates would be a lock for daily lineups if he's healthy enough to go. Well, if he isn't, uh, my favorite player in the whole league, Darius Green, just might just you know decapitate some people because he's awesome i think he's i would take him over gates not just if i was building a team but just like today gates early career gates is a hall of famer obviously green wasn't as isn't as good as gates was back then but right now green is like every bit of the athlete that jimmy graham is and he's just not getting the like not getting the targets but uh not to predict a jimmy graham in new orleans scenario but if you get green eight or nine or ten targets like they seem to like to do with gates I think he can be an 80-yard to 100-yard-a-week kind of player, and this looks like a good week to do it, especially if Allen's at all gimpy. Sorry, do you know the status of Stevie Johnson? Like, he was out last week. Um, if he's if he's at all, let's see. So he, he looks like he's probably back. Um, but, yeah, if, if Johnson's limited, Allen's limited, if Gates is out, I love Green so much. Um, he just happens to be a 2,900 on DraftKings this week, um, so that that's pretty interesting. I'm sure I'll be targeting him very heavily if Gates is, gets some bad news uh, closer to Sunday. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty nice price for Ladarius Green, so we'll be sure to keep track of that on the site. Rotowire.com slash pod, get a free 10-day trial. We'll have the inactives about 90 minutes before each game kicks off on Sunday. Uh, mentioned Ruben Randall before, and again, no one cares about Ruben Randall, but it's his teammate Odell Beckham. He's dealing with a hamstring injury. He is listed as questionable for the matchup against the Cowboys on Sunday. And Beckham really hasn't practiced like in two weeks. Like He's been very limited. Uh, decent game, 7 for 61 in the TD against the Eagles on Monday night. And Tom Coughlin says that Beckham's going to be fine. You know, assuming he is, in fact, active, and that's a late afternoon game for this week. It's one of two, I think, kind of a, a strange arrangement of game times. Would you go ahead and trust Beckham in, in a in, in a DraftKings context, or do you try to steer away from him just because there's a little bit of a risk there where if he aggravates the injury, if the Giants get a big lead, anything like that happens, they could really kind of dial back his workload. I gener- <clears throat> excuse me, I generally don't like playing guys against Dallas to begin with, and if, if they're as hurt as Beckham, and you know, also Dallas bringing back Randy Gregory this week. I don't think it looks like a game for where the Giants will score many points. I and furthermore, Dallas they've they've shown a commitment to the to the model of uh, offense where you run out the clock with a lot of uh, running the ball, and you tend to do that even more when obviously Romo isn't available. They're going to Matt Castle this week. If they if they're breaking in uh, Christine Michael as a starter, I like their chances of kind of just smothering the Giants like twenty to seven something like that because. Um, yeah, that 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 defense of Dallas looks really really good in the front seven. That pass rush is pretty terrifying. Uh, Greg Hardy, Randy Gregory, Demarcus Lawrence, Tyrone Crawford, all in one place for the first time this year. Uh, Hardy's obviously been a huge impact in his return so far. So I don't like Odell very much. I'd rather either pay up four hundred more for Julio or <clears throat> even more so. Uh, definitely drop 100 for DeAndre Hopkins. Love that Hopkins price on DraftKings remains. Uh, lower than it probably should be, just based on what we've seen from him target-wise and production-wise to this point. Staying in the NFC East, Jordan Reed listed as questionable to play against the Bucks. Uh, apparently, he's been cleared by an independent neurologist, so unless the symptoms return over the weekend, there's a good chance that Reed will be available to Washington in some capacity. But this is a guy, we've, I think we've had four diagnosed concussions already. I, I'm just very pessimistic on the idea that he can come back right away and be productive it just seems like a, a really risky long-term decision to even put him back out there yeah i don't i don't know what to make of that either i certainly won't be approaching him in fantasy season long or daily but uh yeah hopefully he's okay because you, you yeah i would hate that he'd be putting himself at risk or something no deshaun jackson this week for washington that hamstring injury continues to sideline him he did practice last week and uh, was listed as questionable then, but he's officially ruled out, so not making the progress as expected. Uh, the Titans are going to be without Marcus Mariota this week. He took a, a low hit from Olivia Vernon, uh, and that's caused a sprained MCL in his knee, so he's going to miss at least this one game. Zach Mettenberger getting the start against Atlanta. Think about the Titans. I mean, their offensive line is pretty bad. They don't run it all that well. The talent around Mettenberger is very limited. Could he actually be a useful tournament play 
given that the Titans may have to throw it 40 times to keep up with the Atlanta offense? It could work. I mean, he, he, he was not a great prospect coming out of LSU, but we know he can throw the ball downfield. He can put velocity on the ball. He's got some familiarity with the league after getting some exposure last year and obviously, you know, working as a backup had time to watch to start this year. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't like aggressively argue against it. I won't do it myself. Like I'm, I'm, I can identify enough of other viable quarterback options. I feel like where I wouldn't go to Mettenberger, but he, he, he could be a starter someday, an average or better starter in the NFL, just because Mariota is there. doesn't mean like Mettenberger isn't a prospect anymore. It's just, he's still a middling one on a bad team. So I don't know if that doesn't add up for me. Taking a look here at the other side of that injury report, Falcons are actually reasonably healthy at this point. Both Roddy White and Leonard Hankerson are listed as probable with their respective injuries. It's a matter of figuring out, is Hankerson going to get seven-plus targets? If he does, I kind of like him this week. But if White's gradually increasing role is just going to pick targets away from Hankerson, then you're left with two guys who sort of cancel each other out. Yeah, and it seems like this offense is headed toward a permanent model of Julio gets all the targets and the rest kind of just gets sprinkled between yeah Hankerson, White, and even more so Devontae Freeman. So Freeman seems like the number two receiver in that offense with like Hankerson and White rotating at the three spot. It's not something that I would probably approach myself. We mentioned the Bills and, and Jags earlier. Allen Robinson and Allen Hearns both listed as probable. They have leg and ankle injuries, respectively. Julius Thomas also listed as probable. He got a little banged up uh, on Sunday, but he is fine. He's got a chest injury. Uh, LaShawn McCoy was limited at practice on Friday due to a hamstring injury. That's been an ongoing issue for him. He's listed as probable. Any hesitation about using McCoy against that Jags defense, that given that he's on the injury report again, or do you think that's just going to be kind of status quo? I mean, he, he looked a lot better against the Bengals last week than he has at any other point this season. Um, yeah, I unfortunately didn't get a chance to watch that game. I I, I kind of wish I had because I was definitely curious to see how he looked, not just uh, what the what the numbers were, but the numbers were good, and you know the opportunities there. So it's it's hard to. It's hard it's hard to say that anyone should avoid him. If you own him in season long, you have to play him. So uh otherwise it's it's not the the greatest matchup or whatever, but the volume there gives him a high floor at least. Adrian Peterson limited in practice on Thursday due to a finger injury. Doesn't seem too serious. He should be fine. Des Bryant didn't practice Thursday. If he's able to practice between now and the time we finish recording this here on Friday afternoon. We'll let you know, but it doesn't look like Dez is going to be ready to go for this week. Oh, sorry, not to not to totally derail uh, this this awesome uh, Dez direction here, but I forgot to mention that some something that Nick Whalen showed me on Twitter, some s- sleep psychologist guy or whatever, was saying that a uh, Buffalo has a an already like they were the favored team, I would assume, but they have a huge advantage over Jacksonville because they got to London or whatever three days ahead of time or something Hmm. so I guess I guess Gus Bradley held them out until getting there Friday which the sleep guy said is going to totally mess with their uh, sleep schedules so maybe maybe this is actually a good setting for McCoy to kind of go off if he's going against a bunch of sleepwalkers yeah I mean if if you're just not really with it because of jet lag that could be uh, factor or jag lag i think is uh, nick referred to it yesterday which is it's, it's a it's an every week thing it's an, they yeah they they always experience uh, that phenomenon but i mentioned des bryant i mean it, it doesn't look like he's gonna go probably on the doubtful side of questionable right now because the cowboys have said he needs to practice before they're going to put him back in to a game situation remember matt castle actually getting the start at quarterback for the cowboys so not sure if that really even helps or hurts Des at this point. I mean, Brandon Whedon, for all of, the, of his faults, actually seems like he has a strong arm. He was, I mean, a baseball prospect at one point, too. So it's kind of surprising that they think that Matt Castle's a better option for their offense. Maybe they think the decision-making with Whedon is too slow or too check-down heavy, I guess. Like maybe that's part of the problem. But He doesn't have any idea what he's doing, really. <laughs> yeah, just... so I guess that's that's probably the thing it will go, go play baseball for five years and then go try to play football. It's probably harder to play football that yeah. way. But anyway. uh, yeah, Castle should stabilize things whenever Dez does come back. I mean, it's not going to be a high ceiling situation, but they should at least have fewer three and outs, I think. So that might mean more opportunities generally. 
Keep an eye out for a status update on Emmanuel Sanders. He should be okay, but he did suffer a sprained AC joint in his shoulder during last week's win over Cleveland. Haven't seen an official designation on him go by uh, just yet. Jeremy Macklin is expected to be back at practice today. I think the Chiefs practice will be happening like as we record this, and they expect that he'll be ready to play, but no guarantee, of course, coming back from a concussion. John Brown slowed by a hamstring injury. He was limited in practice on Thursday, though. Hamstring tightened up during drills. I think he's going to be fine. Question I have for you is coming off a huge game, 10 catches, 196 yards. Is John Brown's stock actually on the rise, or is it really a case where you're still going to see a lot of fluctuation from week to week with regards to his target volume because of Fitz and Michael Floyd still being there? I think it was something that was due, but definitely not something that'll be predictably repeating i i think it was just like yeah he needed a game like that to get his averages in line and now he's going to have the predictable you know step back for a while there's fitz is too good and a constant in that offense to really give up many games like that to one of his peers generally so that probably i mean not that this is a gutsy statement but that was probably his best game of the year uh i'm not gonna go predicting any 200 yard games for john brown obviously so floyd has to get a little better i think i mean i was thinking that all of last year too so maybe not but it feels like floyd's got to do something more eventually so if if anything it's like i think if you own brown you don't do anything with him it's just you're you're happy to have him because he looks like a solid wide receiver two type that you probably got at a wide receiver three price I feel like I'm suffering from some jag leg of my own today. I forgot to mention before, TJ Yeldon, among the injured players, he's listed as questionable with that groin injury. And I've just got some concerns here. First and foremost, averaging 3.6 yards per carry through five games. Only That's pretty good on the Jags. Is, is that, I was going to ask, <laughs> is that, is that the offensive line? He's got one carry for 20-plus yards. Is it the offensive line, or is it actually Yeldon? that's the limiting factor Uh, i don't think it's yelled and i think it's a combination of like defenses still don't aren't convinced about bortles it's like even when bortles has a big game he turns it over at the same time so that if 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 you need to focus on the run to keep bortles making those bad throws i think you do it because uh obviously yeldon is not going to throw incomplete you don't have incomplete carries or interception carries with yeldon so you stop that first and then you let bortles prove that he can do anything right well, you're going to have to get up early to know if Yeldon is good to go, but we will have those. Rotowire.com slash pod, again, is that uh, URL if you want to get that 10-day trial. Ben Roethlisberger listed as questionable, kind of surprising there, but I, I think it's going to be Landry Jones ultimately getting the start there. Steelers have been planning for that to be the case all week, just a heads up in case there's some funny business on Sunday morning or something like that, but I don't think that's going to happen. Marcus Colston slowed by a shoulder injury. He was back at practice in a limited capacity on Wednesday, still awaiting his final uh, availability based on the Friday practice report. But if Colston's back, does that immediately scale back the targets for Ben Watson, who just went crazy against the Falcons in week six? I think so. What Colson came into the league as like a tight end largely, so I think it makes sense for them to give Colston some of the routes and some of the targets that they've been giving Watson. And uh, otherwise, in this game, I, I don't know what Colston's return means for Willie Sneed, but uh, if you like the, if you like narrative picks. Willie Sneed's going to the to the state where he initially was made famous at Ball State. Um, so, if, if you really like the the trip to Indiana narrative, then maybe Willie Sneed could have that whole uh, prove it to the to the home crowd type of thing going on. Whatever, yeah, local boy makes good story. Yeah. You know, we, we we like those. And it's a good matchup. So, all right. Well, injury wise, I think that's the extent of what we're watching closely here as we move into Week Seven. Fantasy football just got a whole lot more interesting. In Week 7, DraftKings will be hosting yet another Millionaire Maker event with $1 million going to first place. Go to DraftKings.com now. Enter the promo code ROTOWIRE to play free with your first deposit on DraftKings. That's promo code ROTOWIRE for free entry now with your first deposit at DraftKings.com. This isn't fantasy as usual. This is DraftKings. Welcome to the big time. Taking a look here at the quarterback position, sadly, no Aaron Rodgers, which is oftentimes the direction I like to go at quarterback on my DraftKings lineup. Tom Brady leading the charge at 8500. Nice little price break though to Andrew Luck at the second spot on the list at 7600. Matt Ryan at 7200 against the Titans and Drew Brees on the other side of that Luck Saints matchup uh, at 7000. Are you paying up for one of the top 4 guys or do you think you're going to look a little cheaper this week? 
Well, uh, messing around with the lineups that I've been tinkering with the whole podcast here, it's looking like it'd be pretty easy to fit in Luck, especially if uh, you're going for Ladarius Green like I probably will. Um, you got guys like Todd Gurley still 5,000, so you can make like a pretty balanced roster and still fit in a guy like Luck. Or if uh, if, if you believe that you know the Patriots are, are truly invincible, Tom Brady at 85 is kind of easy to fit into. Uh, I think I like Luck the most out of this group, given uh, the relatively soft cap. I don't, I mean, it, obviously bye weeks are the main reason, but I just don't really see that many good alternatives. If 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 Roethlisberger's in, that might be interesting, but otherwise it's like, if you're going past Luck at 7,600, uh, Matt Ryan on the road, kind of always a bummer. Uh, Drew Brees, I don't trust him anyway. I, like I said, I think the Giants are going to have problems with the Dallas pass rush. Uh, for me, it's probably between Luck and then all the way down at 6,700, Carson Palmer, who should be an awesome cash game play uh, against the Ravens defense that is just so bad it doesn't make any sense. And uh, <clears throat> they're always worse on the road, moreover. So Palmer looks like a pretty awesome play at 6,700 if you don't want to go 7,600 for Luck. Yeah, I do like Palmer. I would not pay the 8,500 for Brady this week. I just think it's a little bit too steep when you have some nice secondary options here that can do almost as much damage at least because of the more favorable matchups philip rivers at 6500 against the raiders is also interesting and, and i know it's easy to get more excited about a guy coming off a huge game like the one rivers had against the packers on sunday but that raiders defense is very weak tight end issues are well documented rivers is a good player on top of that too you look at the fantasy points per game averages on DraftKings, of the guys who are priced up higher than he is only brady's averaging more fantasy points per game on DraftKings than philip rivers has this season yeah, it's hard to predict those those pesky sixty five pass attempt games. Uh, he'll pro- he'll be more likely to stay around thirty than sixty, but that's still enough to probably get you know safely to two fifty and two touchdowns or something. Obviously, you hope for a little more. Uh, but yeah, it, if if the Chargers running game keeps struggling, it's entirely possible that he just kind of finishes the year as a much higher usage player than anyone would have expected, and more than you know the Chargers might have planned. Cam Newton at 6,600 home against the Eagles. Uh, what do you think about that matchup? Kind of sandwiched in there price-wise between Palmer and Phillip Rivers. The Eagles' defense is a lot better than I expected it to be. Uh, I mean, they still have some cornerback vulnerabilities, but this is this is a strange matchup, actually. I don't know what to make of it. Cam is obviously playing really, really good right now, so it's it's not as if I mean to question his capability in this instance. It's good that he's at home, but... Yeah, I mean, I think you can bank on some short fields with him if you believe that the Philadelphia offense will continue to struggle. I'm kind of agnostic still on that. It's it's a really bad matchup for the Philadelphia offense, and they looked terrible last week. But the last couple times that we've said, like, wow, the Eagles look so bad, they somehow you know look pretty good on offense the next. So I can't rule out that possibility here. But I, I, if he does get the short fields, you like his chances of running for a touchdown. Because if, if they get in the red zone at all, it's like, cam newton's uh fantasy project projection goes way up because he just gets so many of that so many of those rushing touchdowns within the red zone looking at the other prices just below the rivers newton palmer tier you got sam bradford at 6100 on the road against carolina he's been so inconsistent more bad than good to this point I don't think I'd take the bait there, but I wouldn't. No. I, the ownership rates. I'm, I mean, I'm people the, finally are starting to give up. I think on Sam Bradford. Yeah, I'm. I'm the uh, all Eagles everything apologist, aside from Riley Cooper. But I am apologist for everything Philadelphia. I do not want anything to do with them. I I picked up Brian Hoyer in the stake league to start him instead of Bradford this week. If that tells you much. I think that tells me a lot. Joe Flacco at 5,700. If the Cardinals are going to put up points against the Ravens, you're going to get volume from Flacco. I can see the uh, GPP appeal there, but I won't approach it myself. I just that, that passing game is not very good despite the volume it's had lately. Same price as Flacco. You've got Matthew Stafford getting another look at the Vikings defense. Vikings beat the crap out of Matthew Stafford. I think it was in week two. They were constantly hitting him. He came out of that game bloody, bruised, just absolutely dismantled literally could could things be different this time around well um man i uh don't know what's up with this everson griffin situation but uh yeah he's got some kind of 
a regular heartbeat thing. I guess it, he's not on the injury report or something, so he's okay. But uh, Griffin's there. He can rush the passer. And uh, Mike Zimmer just generally is, is a really good defensive coach. So it's not like he's going to, having between those contests, forgotten what it was that he, you know, what code he cracked to make Stafford look so bad. I I would not be chasing Stafford's points from last week. That was the Bears' defense. Uh, Stafford still looks like a sloppy guy who just doesn't know how to play quarterback, in my opinion. I'm with you. I'm actually staying away from the receivers as well. I don't want any shares of Megatron or Golden Tate this week because I think it could be very ugly again for that Detroit offense. Ryan Tannehill, 5,700 home against Houston. You got uh, Brian Hoyer at 5,300 against Miami is the defensive showing that we saw last week in Tennessee indicative of the Dolphins maybe getting back to being a team that we expect them to be coming into the year under Dan Campbell I think some of it was just the of course they would get a little better you know bounce of getting rid of uh, such an obviously just expired arrangement of Joe Philbin having any kind of role in the team with him gone I mean that's the kind of thing where it's just like everybody's just a, a little bit of a better mood a little more energy so they kind of just you know reflexively do a little better I don't know anything about Dan Campbell the coach as I said before I thought he was pretty cool as a player um, but uh, I was impressed with how he gave Lamar Miller the ball uh that was pretty awesome it should have been done all along so he was smart enough to do that i think you have reason to believe that he'll whatever his specific nature he'll be a lot better than philbin and i guess for now that's enough for us to know moving past hoyer you got Derek carr 5300 on the other side of the chargers raiders matchup perhaps a lot of attempts coming there uh josh mccown at 5200 going on the road to st louis and the rams are one of those teams mario i generally don't like to use my quarterbacks against especially when the Rams are at home hey man they they made Rodgers throw an interception in Green Bay I'm not playing people against the Rams I'm not not the quarterbacks anyway Ryan Fitzpatrick though 5200 somewhat tempting if only because I think the Jets can keep pace offensively with the Patriots if the Patriots can actually move the ball as effectively as they often do against that Jets defense is is this game going to come out like 21 17 or is there a chance it actually runs a bit higher than that uh, so, sorry th- this is I was fixated on Ryan Fitzpatrick there. Uh, are you talking about the New England? New York yeah, it's like that oh, okay. game as a yeah. whole. Okay, sorry. Yeah, I was like, I got totally spaced. So I was like, I, I like Fitzpatrick at fifty two hundred. Actually, is what I was trying to figure out there. I was like, do I do I actually like Ryan Fitzpatrick? And I didn't believe it. Started looking a little deeper, but I think I do because, I mean, he's. It was a pretty good. He made that Washington defense that had done pretty well prior to playing the Jets last week. He kind of just ripped them up. Uh, he does have that quiet dual threat potential i mean you don't want to bank on rushing production from him but he can totally do it and uh i mean the patriots are giving up yardage at least in the secondary so you have to like some chance for garbage time there if if you believe at least the uh patriots are invincible narrative because if they are if if the patriots do put up points on that jets defense then it probably means a lot of garbage time for the jets offense and that's what you really got to hope for with fitzpatrick i think is the garbage time where he can you know get that 20 yard touchdown run against you know cover three prevent or whatever i wish i could remember where ryan fitzpatrick went to college i just i can never remember i think it was iowa state no one ever talks about it is it iowa state or iowa i always confuse iowa state and iowa yeah it was iowa state i actually never confuse those two schools but oh yeah that's yeah he had to they had to like screw with his grades yeah they had to mess with the transcripts to get him in had to go to junior college before he got his grades right just below ryan fitzpatrick alex smith at 5100 nick Foles 5100 and landry jones also at 5100 you could also get teddy bridgewater and Jameis winston for that price as well any of those lower end options stand out to you no not even bridgewater against the lions if if on if Landry Jones is in for uh, the the Steelers, if Roethlisberger is out and Vic is out, Landry Jones at fifty one hundred is a lot more interesting to me than Winston or Bridgewater, uh, just because I think Todd Haley's inclination is to air it out more than it is to reel in the offense and you know go Dallas Cowboys for instance. So I like the chance for volume there, and I love the receivers. Obviously, Martavis Bryant is a game changer. So. Uh, in a GPP, if Landry Jones is in, I'll have a hard time not putting out like a you know one out of ten type exposure for for Landry Jones there. But otherwise, no, it's all pretty gross. Moving to the running back position, how does the presence or the starting nod going to Landry Jones? How does that impact 
Le'Veon Bell's value. I think the Steelers are going to run it as kind of as normal. Like they're basically not going to adjust it as he suggested. Does that hurt Bell? Does it give the defense an opportunity to load up the box a bit more? Because last week was Bell's worst game of the season. I think it would be good for Bell if Jones started because with Vic, we know it wasn't going to work. Vic being in the offense meant more work for Le'Veon Bell in terms of shares, but less efficiency, uh, shorter drives, and fewer scoring opportunities. So I think if Landry Jones is in, there's reason to bet on more first downs, more yards per play, more touchdowns. So I like like Jones for Bell if he's in. Um, But yeah, in general, I, w- I would not exactly worry about you know Lavian failing to meet value. I think last week was an exception. Yeah, Eighty four hundred is the price on DraftKings for Le'Veon Bell this week. Devonte Freeman priced up at seventy nine hundred going against Tennessee. And the Tennessee Titans, as I've mentioned many times before, one of the worst teams in the league. I have to think Devonte Freeman has every opportunity here to get twenty plus carries, catch a handful of passes, and probably go over like hundred and fifty yards from scrimmage. Yeah, I'm gonna probably get him in like every lineup i've been burned every single week so far i have not gotten any shares of him so uh now that i am this is definitely the the disappointment week i've i've doomed him you've been warned adrian peterson at 7600 foster at 7500 going up against the dolphins Deion Lewis is the fifth most expensive running back this week, and it seems like with LeGarrette Blunt healthy, his role has been shrinking a bit, but it would also seem as though in a matchup against the Jets, a team that can certainly get to the opposing quarterback, that Deion Lewis may actually be a good source of catches again this week where he might catch six or seven balls and contribute quite a bit in that facet of the game. Yeah, it'd be really cool if we could get some reassurance on his health because I bet that his abdomen issue is a, a little bit of the reason why he didn't play as much as expected last week and, you know, believe it or not, not just Belichick trying to ruin our lives. So I think I, I agree with your thinking there because uh, if Revis, Cromarty are adept at covering receivers – uh, you, I mean, you might like Gronk first and foremost to benefit, but second might be Lewis in the flats or not just the, I mean, he can run a lot of routes, but uh, either way, you have to like Lewis against a linebacker a lot more than whatever Edelman against Revis or something like that. So I agree. I've, I I probably won't go after him in cash games just because there are people below him and that I'd like just as much or more. But I think he's a great GPP target, uh, especially in PPR scoring. DeMarco Murray at 6,400 going up against the Panthers. Seems like he's getting on track, even though the rest of the Eagles offense is still lagging behind. Any reason to be optimistic about Murray this week? I think you have to be optimistic in the long run. I'm, I don't know what to make of the Eagles offense in the short term, though, because uh, Carolina has given up some rushing production, but I wonder if that's largely due to Luke Keekley missing three games with a concussion. Keekley's back. Uh, I don't think that it's as friendly of a matchup as it looks like. And the pass defense in Carolina has very few questions about it. So it's pretty easy to imagine Philadelphia just, you know, laying a dud in that one. So I don't I'm not super optimistic about this week specifically. But uh, yeah, it's, it's very encouraging that the last two weeks he's not only had the high 20 plus carries and uh, 10 catches between the two games. Uh, the efficiency's actually been pretty promising too, so I think he'll he's much of a much more of a running back one than a running back two at this point. Mark Ingram sixty three hundred could be fairly priced just given how many points we're expecting in that Saints Colts matchup. Latavius Murray is sort of interesting to me at sixty one hundred. The Chargers have been pretty generous to opposing backs all season. A lot of the production coming last week against the Packers on that long run by James Starks. It was a play that looked like it was completely stuffed the line of scrimmage. Starks kind of spun around, went to the outside, found the edge, and ended up finding pay dirt afterwards. Uh, any reason to go after those guys, or do you just go down to Todd Gurley at 5,000 and just lock him in because he's facing that horrendous Cleveland run defense? I'm going to have Gurley in every single cash and tournament lineup. I mean, at that price, like as we said before, like fades are have a diminishing return of value the lower the price is on the player. And Gurley at 5,000, like I don't, I don't need to think about it. Yeah, I love Gurley at that price. I mean, if I'm if I'm making the prices, I think Todd Gurley costs at least seventy five hundred this week. I mean, oh yeah, realistically, sure. he can that, do that. That, when, he, when there's that much of a gap between what it should and what it is, like I don't I don't see any real uh, tangible upside in fading him at all. If they priced him at eighty five hundred, 
I think people would still want to own him because it's against the Browns. And the Browns have been giving up huge amounts of rushing yardage to even bad backs when they face them throughout the year. Like, just at a glance, I would only rank one, two, three running backs ahead of him this week. So that's in a vacuum without the prices kept in mind. Yeah. So, yeah, 10 times out of 10, I'm picking him. I, I literally will not have a lineup on drafting that doesn't have Gurley. So, uh, do good for me, Todd. <laughs> Doug Martin going up against Washington, forty nine hundred price still low on Doug Martin. Are you buying in at that price point? He's I think you're encouraged in season long with how he's done a little bit lately, but I don't that whole lineup or sorry, that whole uh, matchup sounds like a stinker to me. I, I I don't trust either team, don't like either team. Doug Martin is not someone that I would target outside of tournament situations. Looking a little further down here, you got Lamar Miller at 4,600 compared to Martin. Do you like the little price break there on Miller? And do you think he can run against that Houston defense? I believe in Dan Campbell giving him the work. I don't know what to make of the Houston defense exactly. or And I also don't have a solid conceptualization of what the final look of that Miami offense will be. But I believe in Lamar Miller. So 4,600, he's definitely in play for me. Cash and uh, tournament both. I don't know what kind of exposure precisely that i'll have to him but uh i mean yeah todd Gurley is the priority for me Devonte freeman i'm probably gonna fit in most of the time so it'll have to be in the flex spot he, he's he's at no more than third or fourth priority for me at running back and as i alluded to earlier i'm also going for a lot of christine michael because he's only three thousand so danny woodhead probably not going to be in your lineups then this week just because <sighs> there's so many other options at low I, prices it's not about you danny it's about the other guys who are similarly priced but yeah. actually start oh and, and blame blame the five thousand dollar price tag on todd Gurley for the low uh, Denny Woodhead shares for, for Mario this week. Uh, Sharkandrick West coming off a really disappointing opportunity to start in week six. Uh, only 4,200, but I don't think with all the other quality options we discussed, there's really any reason to go after him. Keep an eye on him, see if he gets more volume this week. I think he had nine carries last week, so it's hard to really grade anybody on that. Uh, Rashad Jennings only 4,000, but that Giants backfield is such a disaster. It's like, why why even put yourself through that? I, I'm not going to bother with Giants anything this week. I've, I've decided not going to do it. But uh, yeah, Sharkandrick West burned me really bad last week. I don't see any reason to go after him at 4,200 or Jennings at 4,000. If you're at the 4,000 range, Jonathan Stewart, I think, is the best one because uh, he, he's getting a huge volume for a guy in that price range. And uh, the two touchdowns on 80 carries kind of projection doesn't seem sustainable. I think it's more likely he starts to get inch closer to one touchdown for every 20 carries so uh, that progression to the mean might keep going this week especially if you believe that the philadelphia offense will sputter because short fields means more touchdown opportunities for stewart and he's he's still underpriced Kristen michael as you mentioned before is three thousand. does that make him a must own much like Gurley? no because we don't have any clue what dallas is going to do for me it's just like three thousand. that just opens up so much more for the rest of my team construction and it's basically the flex spot so i can going with christine michael gives me a guy who i think has the you know high gpp finish ceiling that i want to find there uh while basically costing me nothing so it makes up for it with the floor that you get at the rest of your picks by going for him. But with that said, he could easily finish that game with like seven or eight carries or something stupid, even though they said they've been working him in as the starter because Dallas don't trust Jason Garrett with personnel things. Just don't. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that assessment. Move on to the receivers. Julio Jones leading the way at 9,100. We mentioned Beckham in the hamstring woes. He's 8,700, but that Dallas defense could just make things hellish on Eli Manning anyway, so you probably want to stay away from Beckham. But are you paying up for Julio at 9,100? I don't think I'm going to do it much. I think you got to get him in some of your tournaments if you're going into the, you know, the issue of making any tournament lineups. Julio is the guy who can put up, you know, like 45 fantasy points. So in the event that it occurs, you, I think, have to have some of him. But at that price, it's it's not like an obvious slam dunk value, especially when DeAndre Hopkins is going to be the most targeted player in the league and he's 500 less, doesn't have a particularly intimidating matchup either. So uh, I think DeAndre Hopkins is the guy who I would go to like eight to, t- to nine times out of 10 over Julio. Uh, just because he's getting so many targets it would take like a truly spectacular failure for him to really burn you staying away from julian edelman of course with the potential matchup with Darrell revis i just don't think 8200s worked it for him this week and antonio brown 
things can't really be that much worse than they were when Michael Vick was starting. 7,900 against the Chiefs, who've been porous against opposing receivers so yeah, far. Yeah, that's do, tempting. Do, do you try to get him in there? I probably will in some tournament lineups. I don't have the guts to approach him in cash games just because as good as he was last week, I don't think – I mean, I had very low opinion of Landry Jones as a prospect, so I don't in the broader picture expect him to do well in any particular NFL sense. Uh, but, yeah, one week only against a defense that struggled like Kansas – I mean, part of that is because they played at Green Bay that one time. But, uh, yeah, T- Todd Haley is committed to getting Antonio Brown the ball. Just Michael Vick was not capable – so uh, this is a this is a good shot to get at a guy with insanely high target volume most of the time in a week when many people probably won't pick him. Brandon Marshall seventy eight hundred could be worth consideration. Twenty four point four fantasy points per game on DraftKings hmm. for Brandon Marshall. Again, full point PPR. Wow, he's got a pays off. He's got four straight one hundred yard games. I didn't notice that. He said some issues with fumbles, oddly enough, but I don't think yeah, that's necessarily going to be a problem. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if, if Keenan Allen's healthy enough to go, I, I like him at 7,700. You may not have to use him because of these viable alternatives. Larry Fitzgerald, only 7,400 against the Ravens. I think that's a strong play. That's a screaming cash game a staple there, yeah. Keep an eye out for the status of T.Y. Hilton. He missed practice on Friday. Uh, there was nothing else earlier in the week as far as absences go, so... Got to see if he ends up even being listed on the injury report. Perhaps it's a matter where he's got like an illness or something like that, but still awaiting confirmation there. What do you think about Amari Cooper at 6,500? I don't know what to make of that offense in, in a broader sense. I, we, it seems like regardless of what that offense turns out like, Cooper will get his target volume. Uh, the question is whether he goes anywhere with it. In this price, it's, he's a little bit too expensive for me to gamble on. I think I I wouldn't I wouldn't argue against him in a GPP setting just because he is really talented. And if you know Philip Rivers puts up more numbers on them, they might have to throw the ball and abandon the run. In which case, you have to like Cooper's chances of eating into the the shares that would have normally gone to the running game. Uh, so yeah, he he's he's totally capable. I just would probably rather pay up for some of those other guys we already talked about or. Uh, for 100 less, you can take another lottery ticket on the Mike Evans show, perhaps finally airing. But uh, yeah, otherwise, I, there's there's some guys at the lower marks like Garcon at 5,000. If Reed is out again and Jackson's out, I think you have to like him against the Buccaneers. But yeah, GPP only for me for uh, Amari Cooper. I do like Evans uh, more than Jordan Matthews at 6,400. Yeah, yeah. You're going to go that route at receiver. Uh, Brandon Cooks, only 5,500. Production hasn't been there. He's been a disappointment this year. With that matchup against the Colts, I mean, does he draw a top corner and end up getting shut down? Or do you think he actually has a chance to kind of get back in the right direction uh, on on Sunday? I don't know what to make of him or that offense in in most senses. But, I mean, I feel like Cooks should be a better player than what he's been to this point. Like, he was... At a very young age, very, very, very productive at Oregon State, had awesome workout testing numbers. Feels like a player who's just not producing because the team is asking him to do things he's not good at. And if that's the case, then what reason do we have to think that'll change? Like, are they going to adjust their their schemes to try to amplify what he actually is good at, or are they just not smart enough to figure it out? I mean, it is after all. A scenario where they initially asked him to do something he can't so maybe they're just not getting the point but i'm not going to go after cooks in really any setting i don't think because even his good games he, he's not a touchdown monster he's not capable he's generally not capable i should say of like the three touchdown game like he generally needs like 15 catches before he scores a touchdown so the upside isn't high enough in my opinion to justify the risk but uh with that said if you're the colts i don't know what reason you have to put Vontae davis on cooks instead of sneed like sneed's been the more dangerous one lately yeah i will also wonder how much uh, sneed has benefited from Cooks maybe drawing top corners too. That's fair. Yeah, that's, if that's fair. opened things up for him and made him the better matchup. Totally for Breeze to throw to uh, Vincent Jackson at fifty three hundred. Actually, Travis Benjamin at fifty four hundred. Sort of interesting too. It seems like people really don't know what to make of him, and and he's still priced very fairly. And he's been good. Yeah, almost I, almost twenty fantasy points per game on DraftKings this season. Like he's got is ever since week three when he's like he's either scored in every game or had at least six catches in every game. That's and we're at six weeks of this going on now. So it's, I guess I guess I have to be convinced, but I hate the matchup, so I'm not going to go after him. 
Martavis Bryant down at 4,700. I mean, Dante Moncrief's going to be heavily owned, I think, at 5,200, just based on how many people want to chase the high over-under in the Colts-Saints game. But Martavis Bryant at 4,700, is that as crazy as... Well, that's not quite as crazy as Gurley, because Gurley's been good for a few weeks. And I mean, Bryant had the fluky long uh, yards to the catch TD last week, but 4,700 definitely seems like a price where it's worth thinking about him even if you have a lot of concerns about Landry Jones. Yeah, and the thing is about Bryant, it's not like he's this guy with a, a you know marginal skill set who might be overachieving. Like This is stuff that he can do consistently. He's insanely talented. The only reason he hasn't been implemented more on the, in the Steelers' game plans is probably because how they don't trust him as a person. Um, as that suspension probably helped explain, like it never made any sense. Why was he? Why is he running behind Marcus Wheaton? Marcus Wheaton is not half as good as Martavis Bryant. He is literally not half as good as Martavis Bryant, and yet they run him ahead anyway. It's got to be because they were just looking at you know hearing about whatever issues Bryant had off the field. But when he's on the field, he is a clear like all pro level talent. So I think it makes sense to go after him, even even though there's going to be a lot of people chasing his points from last week. Uh, but with that said, it would be a GPP only thing for me because um, I'm not convinced that the Steelers will make room for him enough. And as as I were mentioning earlier, Antonio Brown is also due for like a you know an, an overcompensation of targets after going quiet the last two or three weeks or whatever. But the matchup looks good, and if Landry Jones is in instead of Vic, I think they might actually throw the ball. In which case, he has to get a pretty decent chunk of whatever gets completed. Yeah, I, I definitely like the price. I think you're, you're right. I mean, especially because Landry Jones, I think, was the one who threw a little bit at Bryant last week, too. I think that was part of where those targets came from. Uh, Stephon Diggs, 4,200. What do you make of Diggs and, and his role in that Vikings offense? I like Diggs a lot as a prospect. Like Back in his freshman year at Maryland, I thought he, he almost looked like the Devin Hester that was actually good at playing receiver or something. But uh, he had some injuries at Maryland, and he finished his career with kind of a whimper. And then he fell all the way to the fifth round. He didn't test particularly well at the combine. He had very pedestrian numbers. So, but the thing is, the last two games they've they've suddenly given him a ton of targets, and he's been really good with those targets. He's been very efficient. So, I'm convinced on him as a prospect. Like I, it, I don't ever expect him to be the player he was his freshman year at Maryland, but he can do stuff when he gets the opportunity. The question is about the opportunity, I think, because like Mike Wallace is still there. People, people are. I was surprised at the the amount of hype that Diggs has gotten this week. I mean, he deserves a lot of the hype, but people are talking about him like he's, you know, like he's going to be some kind of uh, just season changing fantasy asset or something. Where I think it's more likely he'll be a Sharkhandrick West like disappointment if people don't keep the expectations reasonable. I mean, it's it it could easily fall apart because Wallace will get his. They've got Kyle Rudolph they can throw to. If Charles Johnson gets healthy, maybe he starts getting targets again. Wallace is only 4,200, by the way. I would think people are kind of so into Stephon Diggs. If they're investing in the Minnesota receiving core, they are looking past Mike Wallace right now. I, I think, yeah. Does, I Diggs, does Diggs have a different set of skills, though, that would enable him to leapfrog Wallace? Could, could he actually be like a true number one receiver that the Vikings don't currently have? Because for me, Wallace has always been more of a two. And when you make him the number one guy, he seems a little bit overexposed. I think they're both number two types. Um, Diggs, I think, is more adept at the short and intermediate game. He's he's better after the catch. He he was he was like a transcendent after the catch, like open field runner type early at early at Maryland. He was really dangerous returner too. Uh, whereas Wallace is like the number two who you can really only run fly routes and like post routes and stuff with, but. I have to believe that Wallace is the better player right now, and I would be really surprised if Diggs' volume, his target volume, stayed up as high as it's been the last two weeks. But I mean, it is it is it is kind of interesting that he would go from no activity to just like full throttle like that. That like seems to indicate a pretty specific intention on the part of North Turner to get him and not anybody else the ball. Um, but Wallace is too good to disappear, and uh, if 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 the targets were perhaps going toward digs because the defenses were keying on wallace then it's pretty easy to imagine the pendulum going the other way this week and either way uh, like us two anyway don't expect the detroit offense to do well so it's pretty easy for me to envision this game becoming an adrian peterson run out the clock and just taking up chunks and chunks of yardage with uh 
you know, the the passing game not even really needing to get activated. Yeah, it does seem like a good spot for AP to get back uh, into the swing of things. It's a pretty disappointing showing against the Chiefs in Week Six. Any of the receivers that you like in this kind of sub four thousand group? I mean, uh, not. I, f- I forgot to mention. Uh, I actually like Eric Decker a lot at fifty three hundred in that range, uh, just because I think he's really good. And if if they are throwing the ball more than usual, and if they get more garbage time than usual, but in the sub four thousand, um, let's see. If if uh, Antonio Gates is out and Stevie Johnson is in, I think you might want to consider him a little bit at thirty five hundred. That's that's pretty cheap for a guy who was who who was rather busy in that offense before his injury um otherwise not so much uh i mean i no yeah nothing else not doriel green beckham not michael floyd at 3200 oh floyd is kind of interesting in that matchup uh yeah i mean he he got the touchdown last week floyd is worth a little bit of gpp exposure i think but i i still feel like i'd rather I don't know if I'm going to be able to fit a wide receiver spot for him, and in the flex, I'd rather drop $200 for Christine Michael instead. So, If by some chance T.Y. Hilton doesn't play, and again, you got to check this on Sunday, Philip Dorsett at 3000 seems like the kind of tournament play you could have that would not only free up a lot of budget elsewhere, but they would, in one player, give you a good amount of separation from the pack. Cause I just don't think the ownership rate would be that high, even if Hilton sits, because everyone's going to be on Dante Moncrief. Yeah, I I don't know. In that scenario, I think it might be worth going with the herd there because like it's with with a guy like Fitz on the schedule with with Garcon at five thousand. If Reed is out, uh, I don't think Moncrief will get as much as you would normally expect Andrew Luck's number one receiver to get. So if if, if Hilton's out, I, I I would actually try to make room for Moncrief in some situations. But yeah, Dorsett at the minimum salary. I mean, he hasn't exceeded two catches in a game, but uh, he is more than most the one that you would kind of project the the eventual sixty yard fly route touchdown for. So yeah, if Hilton's out, then Dorsett's probably worth some GPP exposure. I probably won't make that many lineups myself to the point where I would fit him in, but I I would not exactly like discourage other people from pursuing that logic. Now looking at the tight end position, you've got Rob Gronkowski eighty one hundred against the Jets. Do you pay up for Gronk or do you wait and see? If Antonio Gates' status looks cloudy on Sunday, and just go Ladarius Green. If Gates is out, I I just am not getting anybody but Green at tight end. Twenty nine hundred for somebody who, in my opinion, can easily be a top five uh, fantasy tight end with a consistent starting role. Uh, I would go Green fully, but uh, th- like I was saying before, if Revis shuts down Edelman, if Cromarty is shutting down whoever it is, Amendola or whatever. Gronk against any linebacker or any safety. I almost wonder if they're going to put Cromartie or Revis on Gronk. Um, that would actually probably be the smart thing to do if if it wouldn't screw with the run defenses or whatever. Um, anyway, Gronk is so due for a big game. If you look at his like career uh, numbers per target and so on, he he generally scores a touchdown like every six or seven targets, and uh, he's gone you know eleven catches with just one. So I think I think he's due for that two or three touchdown game i just don't know how much the setting is really conducive to that and even if it is two thousand more than greg olson eighty one hundred you know that's like almost three times what green costs so i probably if if gronk has a huge game i it'll probably be to my detriment this week yeah i feel like the pricing on the other tight ends makes it reasonable to just stay away from gronk i mean olson's only sixty one hundred Gary Barnage is only 4,900. Kelsey's only 4,900. If I went with Gronk, it would be with the tight end and the flex and basically cons- basically conceptualizing Gronk as like my wide receiver too. Right, and thinking of it also in a case where maybe because the matchup is against the Jets, there may be fewer players on Gronk this week. Yeah, I mean, at that price and with with what, you know, opposing uh, points allowed rank to second, you know, that, that red letter second might keep people away. So... He makes a ton of sense as a GPP uh, asset for sure. It's just I don't I don't know if my own inclinations make it easy for me to fit him in. Looking at the defenses now, the Cardinals most expensive this week home against the Ravens thirty six hundred, Falcons at thirty three hundred on the road facing off 
against Tennessee and, and Zach Mettenberger. Uh, any particular defense really kind of jump off the page this week as a value? Maybe the Vikings going on the road to Detroit to face Matthew Stafford and company. They're at even 3,000. Uh, what, what do you think about the defensive slate this week? It's not easy to see a nice one this week. I, I don't have enough confidence in the Falcons personnel to capitalize on whatever opportunity Mettenberger might provide, and I'm not even convinced that Mettenberger is that bad or anything. So uh, I guess I guess the way I tend to look at things, I'd probably go for the the vikings at 3000 would be one target for me and chiefs the chiefs at 2700 against landry jones at arrowhead uh, i don't i don't know i don't yeah i probably that that when you put it that way it sounds like a good idea <laughs> i just i have some bad feeling about the chiefs i don't know i just think they look kind of stupid like a team that has no idea what it's doing i can imagine their offense having another bad game in which case the defense would perhaps deal with short fields and give up some you know cheap points that still hurt your uh, fantasy box score all the same so i I, i've i think i'm gonna go with the cowboys probably a good amount of the time obviously just because um i mean i am i'm very sold on their pass rush their secondary has bad personnel but the giants passing game is not exactly a fine-tuned machine and uh if if odell is at all limited the giants pass defense or sorry the giants pass blocking hasn't been good to begin with um i i I remember randy gregory getting a lot of heat on eli in that first game i think it can be a replay of that only much worse with greg hardy in the picture now yeah i i think you you could be right about that five sacks on the patriots well and i i mean you mentioned the cowboys like they they might just own that matchup the giants are one of those teams that week in and week out i can never figure out what they are like i can't figure out if they're average if they're better than average or below average i can't pinpoint it and the dallas defense finally having everyone healthy could really be primed for a big week so that i think that's a reasonable option i think it's going to be a mix for me it's going to be vikings maybe a little bit of chiefs perhaps a share of uh of that dallas defense though too because 2500 is is pretty pretty affordable and with no obvious you know slam dunk pick like seattle on the on the menu it's like defenses are so random it's not even worth thinking about so much of the time all right well that's going to wrap things up for us uh, for this week and uh, if you got any questions let us know on twitter at rotowire at Derek van riper and mario is like at nfl underscore no, no, is a nfl draft underscore rw there it is yeah. I, I it just pops up automatically when i start to tweet at him so you know yeah. whatever. whatever just just to give us a, a look there if you got any questions for us we can try to get those Maybe before kickoff on Sunday, but uh, if we don't, sorry, you know we not the London kickoff anyway. Not the morning of kickoff. Don't don't bother us. Don't don't do that. Stuff's way too busy, unfortunately. But thanks again for listening to Worldwide Fantasy Football Podcast, brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Use the promo code Worldwide when you make your deposit for a free contest entry today. And again, you can. Check out Rotowire for free for the next 10 days by going to rotowire.com slash pod. We'll be back with you on Monday. that by the foot there's no better ride than an old station wagon room for six people facing forward two people facing backward and a whole lot of luggage lumber and bicycles haphazardly strapped to the roof if you can parallel park that beast you can park anything and with some quality parts and a little napa know-how you can keep your land ship running longer stronger it's not obsolete it's a rare treasure that's napa know-how napa know-how Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? 
Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.